1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host Brian Fromm, and we are thrilled today to be joined by Alan Noble. He's an associate professor of English at Oklahoma Baptist University in my neck of the woods of Oklahoma. He's also the co-founder and editor-in-chief of Christ and Pop Culture, and he does a number of other things, including writing tremendous books. He's got another book coming out just next week that we are so excited to talk to him about It is called On Getting Out of Bed, The Burden and Gift of Living. Dr. Alan Noble, thanks for being here with us today.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Um, So I just want to ask you kind of a broad question to start, Alan, if you don't mind. Um, On Getting Out of Bed, like an incredible title, why did you decide to write on this topic in particular? I was trying to think
0: of a way of expressing the challenge of choosing to live uh, in a way that captured not only the the very difficult topic of things like suicide, but also the mundane ways that we can give up on life, like uh, choosing not to get out of bed. Mm. And so um, that's the, the metaphor I use to,
2: to include
0: all the different ways in which
2: you can give up on life. Mm. Alan, in the church, uh, what we often find, right, is people pretending that life is always all good, and it just makes it worse for everybody else, right? We, we are just pretending life is good. Why do you think the church over time has had a hard time even discussing things like mental health, suicide, or just the struggle of getting out of bed? For a long time,
0: I think the Church struggled to understand, uh, separate the categories of mental illness and sin and melancholy, mm. and and that clouded, that, that, that muddied the waters quite a bit. But um, I think we're moving out of that. Mm. It seems to me that, you know, uh, more and more churches are accepting the, the value of things like psychiatry and psychology, yeah. and that's really exciting and and really good. But there's still a, uh, so even as that stigma has decreased, there's still a s- social expectation that everyone should be smiling and happy. Mm-hmm. Right. And And I think the fear is that if you're not happy, then you're somehow not loving God or not being a good christian and so part of the challenge of this book is encouraging people to be vulnerable with one another
1: alan um the book again the title is on getting out of bed the burden and gift of living you're talking about sorrow anxiety mental health choosing to live in the middle of all of that um part of this i'm i'm making an assumption here but i'm guessing part of this is from your personal experience do you share some of your story in this book
0: I, I actually chose to avoid sharing my story, even though I could have. I, mm. I could have written a different book uh, that that did that. Wow. Um, I'm not, uh, and, and and part of the reason for that is that I wanted to write a book that was about the basic human experience of suffering, of mental suffering, and I didn't want to, to make it. I didn't want to make this about me, and so I, um, I quite intentionally chose to uh, avoid that. Although I could have written that book.
1: Wow.
2: Mm. So Alan, somebody's listening right now and they've, you know, they're having trouble getting out of bed. Everything you're kind of describing mm-hmm. right here is some depression, anxiety, but they've never really dealt with it. What's uh step 1? Uh, is it contact somebody? Is it What what would you encourage that listener right now who is kind of struggling?
0: So it's interesting and this is part of the premise of this book is that uh, professional help is wonderful, psychology, psychiatry, counseling, biblical counseling, uh, pastoral counseling, friends, all of these things are wonderful, mm-hmm. but all those things come after the choice to act. Mm. Even prior to that, you, when you are lying in bed, you have to choose to pick up the phone and call someone. You have to choose to pick up the phone and text someone. You have to choose to put your feet on the ground, and get moving. And so the first step is literally a first step. It's literally a first step. Getting out of bed yeah. is the first step. Yeah, And that, that sounds simple, but you have to choose to do that. And the challenge is figuring out why choose to do that. And mm. I think one of the answers is that we are made in God's image, and our lives are precious in his sight, and uh, it is a beautiful life, even when it feels very difficult and very hard. Mm.
1: And Alan, you know, I'm thinking about just day-to-day conversations you have with people, and you, you know, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great, too, or I'm fine, you know often no one stops and goes, I'm actually really struggling, like I'm having a really dark season of the soul, and I don't know what to do about it. Like, Unless you're in really deep conversations, we don't do that, and that's understandable. But I wonder if you've thought about and write about some of the reasons why we don't tend to want to be honest about how we're doing.
0: Sure. I mean, it's a social liability, right? <laughs> it's a hyper-competitive society, and everybody's trying to get ahead of everybody else. And to uh, be open about your weakness to be vulnerable is to to make yourself vulnerable to social criticism and we don't we don't want that um, and so we'll be afraid to to speak up to to share and and I you know I, I do think it's important you know we we ask people how we're doing um, very flippantly and um, I'm not opposed to that, but you know I don't want to tell everyone I meet on the street yeah right. ask me how I'm doing actually how I'm doing right so there's, you know, so there's prudence and discernment is, is involved in this. But my suspicion is that a, a great many people um, choose to not be vulnerable to people even close to them because they're afraid of, mm. of being hurt, of being exposed, of being looked down upon, of being shamed, Mm. And um, that's a stigma that we have to break. And in my experience, the way we break that stigma is by choosing to be vulnerable ourselves.
2: Yeah. Uh, and, <clears throat> Alan, Aubrey and I are both pastors. Uh, how can How can pastors create a culture within their churches that handles these things well, where there is vulnerability, where people do feel like they can be honest about where they're at? Do you have any word for pastors out there?
0: I think this is a big challenge, and uh, in the past, my my answer would have been, don't try to be too intentional about it; let it be organic. Mm. But the older I get, the more I realize that uh, organic relationships are very hard to achieve. Yes, that's um, true. And especially in middle age, I think I think we have to be intentional about it. I think we have to be intentional about training each other, encouraging each other, welcoming each other into vulnerability. Mm.
1: Um, When you were thinking about writing this, Alan, or as as you wrote it, who did you have in mind as your ideal reader? So I think
0: the first reader would be someone who is struggling with a mental illness or a disability or a disorder or any kind of mental affliction. But uh, I think it's also really valuable for people who don't personally experience those kinds of uh, seasons in, in very serious ways uh, because even if you don't personally experience it, you experience it vicariously through others because you're going to know someone, a loved one, a friend, who a family member who, who's experiencing depression or severe anxiety or some mental illness or disorder. And so I did the thing that you're told not to do in, in writing communities, which is I wrote a book for
2: everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you're,
0: not, you're not supposed to do that, but I
2: did. <laughs> oh, that's love awesome. It, Again, it. the book is called On Getting Out of Bed. It's for everyone. It's for you it's out for there everyone. who are listening. Uh, Al, let me ask you something uh, apart from the book. I'm going through your Twitter feed right now, as we like to do when people are on. And you've got a lot of followers, and you post a lot. I really – I follow you. You're a great follow. How do you view Twitter? How do you view your role on Twitter and the people following you? Great question. Just very curious about that. Yeah, uh,
0: I try to be fairly transparent. I, I, I take it for what it is. Which is a, a great space to make jokes, <laughs> to post things that are interesting to me, that, uh, that pique my interest, that I think are valuable to, to, to other people, to point people off the platform. I don't view it as a place to have serious dialogue. Uh, I think that's a mistake. I think Mm. you get into a lot of trouble if you try to do that. Um, Mm. A lot of misunderstanding happens. It's just not a suitable platform for that. But I I love it as a place to make jokes and to share (laughs) NBA memes and to share news articles and learn about things. And meet people.
1: That is awesome. That's a great way to handle social media. It's a fun way to make jokes. <laughs> I like <laughs> it. I actually want to ask you a question about um, your role as a professor, but particularly with the next generation, would love to know kind of what trends you're seeing related to your book, related to mental health, related to the digital age and personal branding. Can you talk to us about that a little bit?
0: Young people are under tremendous pressure pressure to create, project, promote, find an identity, and that adds a layer of anxiety that I think a lot of previous generations didn't have. Mm. I mean, Everyone wanted that to be known. I mean, that's not, not entirely new, but what is new is things like social media, the ability to actually brand yourself, to mm-hmm. create uh, an identity, to create a style to project your images out into the world, that's new. And it creates, um, again, yeah, an anxiety that I just think younger generations or older generations, that is, uh, didn't have.
2: Uh, so, Alan, I, again, I've been perusing your Twitter and I saw this line. I think you said it on the Holy Post podcast that uh, I believe dropped today or yesterday. God hasn't called us to feel certain things, but has called us to do certain things. Mm. That sounds really important and probably pretty foundational to your book. Help unpack that for us. God hasn't called us to feel certain things, but called us to do certain things.
0: Feelings are so deceptive and uh, it's great when you feel like doing the right thing and the right thing is right before you, but very often you're not going to feel the way you ought to feel. Um, I, I can't think of that great line. I don't remember the exact line, but the line in, in the Charlie Brown Christmas, where he he notes that it's Christmas time and he's, he knows he's supposed to feel a certain way, but he just doesn't. <laughs> and, um, and, that's not uncommon in uh, in life where you know you're supposed to feel a certain way, but you don't feel that way. And you need to choose to act, uh, to love others, to serve God, despite how you feel. Mm.
1: We're talking with Dr. Alan Noble about his new book that's coming out next week on Getting Out of Bed, The Burden and Gift of Living. Alan, I know something that you talk about is this concept of technique, that we live in kind mm-hmm. of a, a technique-oriented society. There's promises related to technique. Can you unpack that for our listeners? Yes.
0: Yeah, so technique is the r- rational methods of the maximizing efficiency. And I'm getting this from a philosopher named Jacques Ellul, who's French, and he has a fantastic name, Jacques Ellul. That
1: is an awesome Uh, name.
0: Yeah, I I judge philosophers by their names. Yeah, so uh, rational methods of maximizing efficiency. So time-saving technologies, apps that maximize a workout, all of those kinds of things are uh, examples of techniques. And the, the the problem, one of the problems with technique, is that we we come to see um, efficiency as the guiding principle of our lives, and so there's this hope, there's this expectation that if we just apply the right life coach, the right we read the right self help book, mm-hmm. we do the right program or method or exercise or diet, then our lives are going to fall into place and things are going to be great. And that's just not the way the real world works. And when when it fails, we often turn against ourselves and say, "Well, I didn't try hard enough, or I didn't just I just didn't choose the right program. Mm. Once I do, then everything's going to be fine." And that creates
2: anxiety. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, And Alan. Uh, Thinking of Paul's words in Philippians, right? Uh, Don't be anxious, but present your request to God, everything in prayer and petition. Just help our people, encourage them. What role does prayer play when it comes to anxiety, depression? I know sometimes it can be used as a weapon, but uh, Mm. how how would you speak of prayer in this bigger conversation?
0: Prayer is our way of, uh, as you say, petitioning, as Paul says, petitioning to God, and I think it is, a, it is a way that we can learn to not rely on ourselves. Mm. When you are in a period of mental suffering, one of the things that goes is um, this sense that you have to have control over your situation. Mm. And you, you don't have control. God has control. Mm. And so prayer is a way of surrendering and, and giving God and resting uh, control over things or granting, accepting that he has control over things and getting the hope. Back in return.
1: Mm. Oh, it's such a such a good word for all of us. Doctor Alan Noble has a brand new book coming out just next week. We're so excited to have you go check that out. It is called "On Getting Out of Bed: The Burden and Gift of Living." Alan, where can people find and follow you, and where can they pre-order the book?
0: Uh, I think I am uh, at. The uh, Allen Noble on Twitter, and you can find me at OAlanNoble.com dot uh, and you can find a bunch of my writings and musings and things there.
1: All right, wonderful! So glad to have you with us today, Alan. Thanks so much for your time, Thanks, Alan.
2: Thank you.